This is Sean Kovich, head golf coach at West Virginia University. You're listening to Chasing Birdies. Hey, guys. Welcome back, y'all, to another episode of Chasing Birdies. My man. What's shaking, bacon? Not much, baby. I'll tell you what, man. It's, uh, I don't know about you, but this fall weather has been exceptional for a little late, late summer golfing right now, huh? Oh man, it's been incredible. You know, today's episode, it is, it's nice to have fall weather and drink a nice little crisp beer. So today's mm. episode is brought to you by Lynx Brewing. Go check them out at lynxbrewing.com. Obviously, they make the Chase and Birdie Blondale, which is out of this world. I crushed about 10 of them on Saturday night. Kids probably babysat me instead of me babysitting them. But other than that, it is dynamite right now. But we played a quick nine at Nemecolon. This past uh, Wednesday, so mm. yeah, no, that was fun, but it was nice to see you in person in human form. Um, I know shit's been crazy lately. You've been traveling, I've been traveling a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, we're back. We're back right now, um, man. It feels good to be back and here on the podcast, chasing birdies. Before we get into today's guest, Sean Kovich, head coach of West Virginia University, let's talk a little bit about what the hell is happening right now in Pittsburgh with the Squealers. I mean, that was an absolute ass-kicking. But I think it's time to start getting worried here um, if if you're a fan because this, this is not good. This is not good at all. I don't even think the quarterback is their their issue. I think they got 100 other issues that they've let build up, and now this is what you're dealt with. It is. It's sad, man, because the, the players, we got great players when you think about it, you know, but um, something's off somewhere, and there's no – synergy everyone is just kind of running around with their heads the best part about that whole game was this i took the over 44 and a half and halftime it's 31 3 i'm like shit all i need is two touchdowns to hit the over like it's a freaking lock right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. pittsburgh can't forget about the two miss missed field goals first off bud you're down 25 fucking points why are you kicking a field goal number one but forget about the two missed field goals they only scored one touchdown the whole second half, the under hits, but, that was some shit right there, man. I mean, I said last Wednesday, I said hammer plus 14 on the Steelers. I felt so confident they're going to come out flying, guns a-blazing. Yeah. Uh, the Bills haven't been playing great football, but they proved the yeah. Fun, so. Yeah, and you know, there's a reason why that's that funny. That's their worst loss. It's their worst loss in, since 1989 for the Steelers. But they're good yelling. Fun. I know. I can I can hear it in the tone of your voice. I mean, the, the, the colors here on the decimal reading just hit red. But, you know, switching over to golf a little bit, you had this cat on the live tour. The, 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 and the irony of it all is he came from Oklahoma State, right, which is Big 12, which mm-hmm. is West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And what's he, what did he rake in this past weekend? Like 4.2 mil? How you doing? Uh, good for him. Here we are. Live, lives around. It's going to stay... Greenbrier's happening well, end of July. Yeah, and they're paying they're paying the old Greenbrier twenty five mil. The the rumor is, yeah, that's so good for the Greenbrier. Actually, a little change for the boys down there. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone's happy, and uh, I'm sure the Greenbrier will get some changes made on the course as well for for that event. Make it a little longer, but and I'm sure the Live Tour is paying for that. But yeah, today's guest dude had had the Big Twelve Championship at the Greenbrier. He tells us some pretty cool stories. Uh, Sean Kovich. Mm-hmm. Just a 
great guy. I mean, I met him through you down at the Pete Dye Golf Club um, and member guests, and, and I've gotten to know him since. And the guy's just a gem. Um, and I know you're really close with him. Oh, my God, no. Sean is just, yeah, he's a great guy. And he's got a... Just a cool story, dude. Yeah, it's starting that program from zero and has been able to accomplish what he's been able to accomplish thus far. And, and uh, you know, I, I believe in that golf program. I'm a supporter of WVU men's golf. You know, so being able to carve out some time with Coach Kovich on today's episode of Chasing Birdies uh, was an absolute honor. And, you know, it's a cool story. Excited to see where he, where he takes the team in the future. But um, I feel like we should just uh, take it on into What's this, to this bad boy right now. Here we go. Coach Sean Kovich, WVU. I heard it. I heard it. I love it. As you all know by now, Chasing Birdies is proud to be partners with Holderness and Bourne. Check them out online at hbgolf.com. Holderness and Bourne makes fabulous pieces that help you look good on the course, even if your game is not up to par. Check out their new arrivals now for this golf season. Also, head on over to chasingbirdies.com to get some custom Chasing Birdie gear from Holderness and Bourne. We'll continue to drop these pieces through every season. That's chasingbirdies.com and Holderness and Bourne at hbgolf.com. All right, y'all, we're back here for another episode of Chasing Birdies. Today's guest watches that on the weekly, on the monthly, as he is the head men's golf coach at West Virginia University. We have Sean Kovich in the house today. Mr. Sean, what's shaking, baby? Oh, not much. Just in right in the middle of our fall season, getting ready for a big stretch, big 12 match play. Yeah, and, man. Um, I'll work. I feel like you and I used to play golf a lot together in the last couple of years down in Pete Dye. And I'm kind of sad because the last, last year, the last 12 months, I have not played any golf with you. That's bullshit. I know. That's... uh. That's just part of the job. I think during uh, COVID, gosh, we had so much time. I, there was a dead period in recruiting, and literally all you could do was play golf. Yeah. And so we we played a ton. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to play in a bunch of member guests and club championships and just all kind of stuff. And, and the Open, the AM, didn't make the cut in those, but. Hey, you had a good time. You know, now, had, right? a, had a great time, but now. Hey, you guys know I got a son that's uh, 10 years old now, Keenan, mm-hmm. and he's in the golf, he's in the baseball, he's in the flag football. So I made a decision this summer. I'm going to do one of three things every day. Watch him play sports, go out and recruit, and then just be with the family. Like mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much it. So I either watching him play or hanging out. Well, you have a lovely family. Keenan, as you said, he's he's so fun to be around. Your wife, Kate, she's awesome, so... You're in good hands, my man. The first time I met him was at the Pete Dyke uh, member guest. Oh, boy. And uh, so it was fun. <laughs> that was, had, that was we, pre-COVID. Yeah, it was pre-COVID. Um, and we, we had a lot of fun, though. So it was always a good time to hang out with him. And I, I do have to we'll, – we'll get to it, but the member guest up at Nemecal, and we'll have to talk about the uh, the the drive off the rock wall. <laughs> Is it – it was that did you play with Todd Nisley in that event? I was supposed to, and Todd uh, had a uh, they had their uh, first child, and so he 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 thought he could play, but you know you know how that goes. So uh, he he was pulled out out of the tournament. So I got uh, Doug Wallace to play with me and watch Pepe hit the luckiest shot in all of golf. So yeah. Bud, we're at Demicolon. Uh We're in the back nine. Our our match on Mystic. Mm-hmm. And 11, 12, 13, the dog leg around the, around mm-hmm. the lake. Uh, we tee off, and I hit 
one that was leaking what we thought was in the water. And um, so everyone hits their shots. And then, you know, Sean hits one up there to like three feet, probably a second shot. We get up there, but there's my ball like that far away from the hole. It hit the wall, the rock wall. It was going in the water, hit the rock wall, went uh, forward and towards the hole like 80 yards. And nobody do it. I mean, he was getting ready to drop it. And I hit it in close. He's like, all right, you guys probably won the hole. And he gets up there. Is this your ball? Yeah. Wow. He, made, he made it too. So we Did you make the putt? I'm surprised. Well, no, he was kind enough to give it. It to was me. so close. <laughs> I mean, dude, it literally, you could have blown it in this hole. Mm-hmm. It was so close. Yeah. But went from the outhouse to the in-house real quick. Sometimes it's better. Funny how be golf lucky. is. It's better to be lucky than good, my man. Hey, one more member guest story, though. The one, the first time we met, this is probably 2018-ish. Uh, we played that member guest, and we had, a, I think, 10. We had a 10-some playing number 10. Uh-huh. Maybe two people were wearing shoes. Uh-huh. The rest were barefoot. And we played number 10, a scramble, and then we played from 10 green back to 18 green yeah. at Pete Dye. Yep. And, like, four people finished. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> we, we were losing people left and right. Wow. So, if you, if you did that today. I was going to say, you can't do that today, bud. <laughs> you gone. You gone. No, but um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you, you're from Mississippi. You kind of randomly, not randomly, but you're in West Virginia now. But what happened after you played college golf, coaching career? Kind of tell us a little bit about how you ended up here, West Virginia. Oh, wow. It was uh, just getting completely lucky. You know, um, I played college golf, junior college golf, which barely counts. I mean, uh, still counts. like 78 scoring average. Um, so played for two years at Meridian Community College and then went to Mississippi State just to enjoy college, be a student, uh, go to football games, um, get my degree, obviously, but uh, have a good time there. And after that, I just knew I wanted to work in sports. My dad was a uh uh, club pro PGA club pro. And so he gave me some really good advice. Cause I thought about going the PGM route. Mm-hmm. He said, you don't want to do that. He, he was like, do you like to play golf? I said, I'd love to play golf. He's like, well, I'm at the shop, you know, seven days a week. I barely get to play. If you want to play golf, go be successful in something. And then you can enjoy golf rather than, you know, it, it being your job every day. So that was, that was pretty good advice for me, but I ended up, Back in the golf uh, industry, Mississippi Golf Association run their junior tour event. And then my uh, coach at Meridian Community College retired, and they thought, well, this guy knows all the junior golfers in Mississippi. His dad's a club pro in town. He played here. Like, let's offer him the job. And I was 25 or 26 at the time, and that's how I got into coaching. And then, you know, from there, uh, I got some really good advice from, you know, coaches in the SEC because we were trying to recruit good players. I had two national championship players at the junior college level and the SEC coaches were you know, just telling me, look, treat your junior college program like it's LSU, like it's Alabama, like it's, you know, you're in the SEC, do everything like we do. And, and in a couple of years, somebody will notice and, and maybe you'll get a job. And so I, I got to Mississippi state. That's what happened. Were you, were you an assistant there or the head coach? I was a, I was a head coach at junior college and then became the assistant coach at Mississippi state uh, for three years. And then this job uh, you just heard about it because uh, West Virginia has joined them, the big 12 and you heard that they were going to uh, start a men's golf program, but really didn't know like what year and when they start. 
competing, but anytime you saw like the flying WV, it was like, wow, that's, that's a big time athletic program. Um, because I grew up obviously in Mississippi and SEC country, but I knew about coach Huggins. I knew about Jerry West. I knew about, you know, going to the, uh, Fiesta bowl and Geno Smith and, and, you know, just all the great tradition that goes on, uh, Don Nealon. Um, yep. and so I was like, wow, that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Got so lucky. you applied for the job when you heard about it and were you in the running with other coaches oh, yeah. or, I mean, obviously it's a big time program as far as athletics is concerned, but let's be honest, we're in West Virginia, Morgantown, West Virginia, where golf is not exactly a hot topic here. I mean, it, it's kind of died off in the last, uh, in, in the last 20 years, I'd say. So what made you get to, yeah, I wanted to interview it. And if I get it, we're moving to Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, well, I was assistant coach. So the reason you are an assistant is to hopefully be a head coach, mm. you know, one day and the unique opportunity of starting it from scratch was such uh, a selling point to me, you know, mm. rather than taking over for a program that hadn't been successful cause so they fired their coach or a program that had been successful and your job is to maintain it, or you're going to lose your job. You know, this was just a blank slate. Uh, you know, a blank canvas that you could start from scratch. And that meant a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, frustration at the beginning. But at the same time, you can look back and say, hey, wow, we built this mm-hmm. from, from literally nothing. When mm-hmm. I got here, I didn't have an office. I didn't have a golf ball, didn't have a tournament to play in, nowhere to practice, uh, you know, no uh, tournament to host, you know, just nothing. And so it was, uh, there was no like, Oh, here's the manual on building a program right. from scratch in the highly competitive Big 12. You know, it was just like, let's try to figure it out. Um, but, yeah, there were other coaches. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I was their top choice. Like, I know I was way down the list. I, I always like to s- tell people I was just crazy enough to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, the other people were like – It was hey, a chance. Oh, yeah, big time. You're more, you're, like I said, I mean, how many people wake up in the morning and want to move to Morgantown, West Virginia? Hit Don't back. get me wrong. I love it, dude. I'm not saying I mean, bud. I mean, I'm just saying in general. All right, calm down. Well, man. well, uh, you bark, know, from a golf a little bit, huh? a golf perspective, you know, I mean, there are warmer, better places, right, with right. more more golf courses. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, it takes that mountaineer spirit for you know a kid to to commit to commit here, just like it did for us. Um, you know, we lived 34 years in Mississippi, and you know, I remember when they offered me the job. Kate was in a meeting, and so I kept calling her, calling her, and I just went to her office. Finally, got her out of the meeting. I was like, "Hey, they they offered me a job. I'm, you know, I'm gonna take it." And uh, she was like, "Well, can't see how you can turn that down." You know, she wasn't, you know, like she wasn't yes. excited, right? But she loves it. She loves it now. Um, but it is tough, you know, moving your family when you have a two year old up here, and we uh, we didn't know anybody in the state of West Virginia. I'd only been in West Virginia one time. That was during my interview. Um, but now, now Keenan, all he knows is, is Morgantown. Morgantown, WVU, West Virginia, Mountaineers, um, and he he absolutely loves it. So you get the job. You literally have, like you said, you have nothing, dude. I mean, and for people that are listening that don't know much about college golf, generally speaking, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there's about eight to nine on each team, maybe a little bit more. Um, five players travel to every event. Unless you're playing as an individual, then then you're considered a six player, but you're not playing part of the team game. You have zero. 
players, mm-hmm. and you're going. So, did they give you a year to recruit and then get into the season, or how did that work? That whole because again, like you said, you're building a program from literally nothing. Yeah, well, I was hired uh, June of 2014 in our first tournament, like we were going to play as a team, um, was 2015, September of 15. So I had maybe 14 months to get nine players together, get a schedule. Uh, I was sharing, it wasn't even an office. It was like a cubicle with some GAs and marketing, you know, so when I bring in a recruit, it's, you know, you got some other students GAs back there doing stuff so it was it was kind of weird hey bud um, can I use your cubicle I got a yeah. recruit coming in yeah exactly uh still somebody else's office for like an hour but um uh we just kind of made it work and this was before the transfer portal so this was you know whatever five six seven years ago um so transfers were like really it was like the black market you know it was just like really weird uh process back then they might even have to sit out a year and all this stuff I just knew my goal was not to get, you know, eight freshmen because that would be my team for four years and we wouldn't be very good. But if I could sprinkle in a couple of seniors, a couple of juniors, a couple of sophomores, and then bring in a recruiting class of two or three, mm-hmm. and then those seniors would roll off the roster and I could bring in another recruiting class of right. two or three. And then by our third or fourth year, we would be pretty good. Uh, and that's what happened. Would you say, I mean, and you've, you've built a, a freaking golf program. Yeah. Like I'm not, yeah, it's yes. You have a golf team at WVU, but you're actually it in it, right? Like, I mean, you are a consistently a top 50 team in the country, if not lower the last couple of years. I mean, that's pretty freaking impressive. Yeah. And that speaks to you as a person as well. I mean, I don't want to give you too many. Right. Well, it, like I said, good players, good players help. Um, and, and, just letting you guys know how we built it. We just tried to, with those recruiting classes, and I thought by the fourth year we would look like a a pretty good team. Um, And that's what happened. I think our fourth year we made it to the NCAA uh, regionals, and we almost went to the national finals by two shots. We we missed out. We lost to Louisville for the fifth spot. They take the top five at each regional. We were six. Uh, Oklahoma State was at that regional. Auburn was at that regional. Louisville was playing their home course at that regional. Uh, we missed about two shots with a four putt and a lost ball in 18. So uh, not that I still think about it, but, <laughs> but you do, but, but it was cool to be, yeah. it was like, Hell man, yeah. four years from nothing to then. And um, of course, you know, COVID has kind of put a whole uh, roadblock and everything, but we're trying to get back on our feet and uh, had some really good players the last few years. So at, at that point in time, 2014, now you got 14 months to start recruiting. When did Pete Dye Golf Club come into play as the home course for West Virginia University? Out the gate, did you know where the team was going to be stationed, so to speak? Like, what course? I mean, Morgantown, Slim Pickens, you got you got the Pines and Lakeview, right? Right. In all seriousness. So, like, when did that whole deal work out with Pete Dye that this was going to be the club? Was it out the gate, or was that something you kind of had to massage a little bit? Well, here, here's where I'd, I'd like to be as, you know, honest and transparent as I can. So... Um, when I'm in my office as an assistant coach at Mississippi State looking at this job, the first thing I do, like any golfer would do, is I Google Morgantown golf courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of things pop up, but the main one would be Pikewood. You know, right. Pikewood pops up and you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like drone footage. It looks like Oakmont on top of Cooper's Rock. You yeah. know, it's just like unbelievable. 
Um, and then you see the Pines, and like Pines is like kind of the local quality country club, old school. Like lead looks pretty good. Uh, you see Lakeview, you're like you don't know what that is, but it looks pretty pretty good. So I'm like, okay, but Pikewood is like the big thing. Um, and so go through the interview process, and a lot of it is me talking about my, you know, resume, my experience and stuff. And I, so anyhow, I get up here in person. Um, uh, WVU, they, they picked me up at Pittsburgh airport up in the car with the guy that worked for the Mac at the time. And I said, so tell me about Pikewood. And so from, from that point until we got here, it's like, well, you know, not sure that's going to work out, but we'll, you know, we'll see. But, um, and I'd never even heard of P die, uh, mm-hmm. honestly, cause it's in Bridgeport. Right? right. So I'm looking at Morgantown. Um, but he did mention, he was like, Hey, there's P die golf club. And they, there's some members there. They want to, at some point, you know, have you guys down there? What does that look like? I don't know, but no, just know that's an option. Um, and that's kind of how it started out. Our first year, we went down there, I don't know, three to five times a semester. And usually on Tuesdays after three o'clock, like never really felt like this is home. Um, but, you know, the more we just sort of got to know them and then they had a, you know, ownership change and that that really helped us yeah, that to, helped. Yep. to be honest and that really helped out a lot and um i don't know we just kind of uh worked out a great relationship really um and i think our guys understand how important that place is and they they treat everybody well and um just try to try to blend in you know i mean it, it is a great spot for a home course i mean top 10 layout in my opinion so yeah it kind of worked out in your favor because like i said outside of that and obviously axing pikewood from the rotation you got two options and the cool thing though for those listening that don't know too much about west virginia men's golf but they have access to nemecolon yes um so when you really think about it yeah it's a northern golf program in west virginia but they have two top facilities for the guys to work work out and that's what it, it honestly that's what it takes for somebody like coach govich to Get good players. You have mm-hmm. to have facilities. They're incredible. You're in the Northeast. You're already one strike against everybody else that's, you know, south or, or west. So you've got to have great facilities. You've got to have the indoor um, facility where you can putt, chip. you got the uh, track, track man, man in yep. there. Yep. I mean, it's an investment from the program, too, to get these recruits. So, mm-hmm. it's it's again, it's you think about it. You know, there's been programs around for 50 years that's never made it to the NCAA tournament. And... Coach Kovic comes into Morgantown with literally nothing. But why did you get recruited by WVU? You had one more year left. Yeah, well, I, I asked actually at some point, but um, I think Fairmont State was on me pretty good. I could probably still go back out there. You got one more year. Yeah, but I'm not. The problem yeah, with I do. the problem I, I do. always we always said the problem with Bash playing at Fairmont State right now at 35 years old would be traveling by van because you right. know damn well he's going to show and say, <laughs> "No, boys, we're getting on the plane. Let's go." They yeah. they would like that then. They would love get that. on team, yeah. Um, but no, so recruiting. Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, um, as you said earlier, this was before the transfer portal your first year, and you wanted to sprinkle in some guys at different levels, senior, juniors, whatnot. So, how did you navigate that? I mean, you just send them random emails, call it, like, how do you get a hold of these kids at some point, right? I mean, you're just reaching out to them. Well, uh, I think the announcement that 
we were joining the Big 12 and that we were starting men's golf, we we did get some, you know, kids that wanted to transfer in. Um, and some of those worked out well, like uh, Alan Cook, Chris Williams, both yep, West yep. Virginia oh, natives yeah. that were, you know, Alan was at a Division II school in South Carolina. Uh, Chris was playing for Coastal Carolina, but, you know, in and out of the lineup. And I think chance to come home and go, hey, like, I could, I could probably play a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened for both those guys. And Alan ended up uh, winning the AM, West mm-hmm. Virginia AM, yeah. uh, after his second year here, which was which was pretty cool. So, um, but yeah, the you know Max Sear, who's a guy yeah. right now in Corn Ferry uh, Q School right now. He's playing on a Canadian tour. He was part of that first recruiting class. And honestly, I just got lucky. You know, I got hired in June, and then that July, I'm at the U.S. Junior Am, mm-hmm. and I'm actually watching a kid from West Virginia who was like in eighth grade at the time, Colin Bowles, and he ended up going to Georgia Southern. Well, he went to Ohio State and then transferred to Georgia Southern. But I'm down there watching Colin. He's paired with these two random Canadian kids, and after about three holes, I'm like, "Where are they going to school?" You know, mm-hmm. uh, in a practice round, and one of them was Max Sear. I said, well, can we get you on a visit? And he said, well, I'm supposed to visit Winthrop, which is now in South Carolina and like Elon. And like, I'm like, well, you need to look at West Virginia because it's like big time. Like we're about to play a good schedule. And mm-hmm. he came in, he committed, and he played. He, I think right now uh, he's the only player to play all four years in the starting lineup every single tournament. Even Etienne wow. Papineau missed – one tournament, even Mark Getz missed a few, but Max Sear was the the only one so far. So lefty, you sometimes you just get lucky, right? In recruiting, mm-hmm. and it's like you just you're watching some other kid, and then you see another one, and go, oh, wow, what about him? So, so you you talk about recruiting. You know, we have somebody in our backyard, Mason Williams, um, which great kid. Everyone knows knows Mason. Um, obviously, you try to recruit him. Yes, uh, very multiple I would, times. I, I would <laughs> assume very hard. Yes. I mean, somebody like that, what, again, it's like he goes to Georgia Southern. As a coach, do you still stay in touch, even though he is a friend of yours? I mean, it's, it's you know, it's not like you're uh, tampering with, with the, the scholarship, but do you stay in touch with somebody like that? Do you still check in? Because who's to say that in two years at Georgia Southern, you know, whenever he was a sophomore, he wasn't happy and you could, get them back in. You know, how does that work in the college athletic? Yeah, I think for our sport, it's it's definitely a lot different than, say, football or basketball, you know, where it's very heated and recruiting and it's just cutthroat. Um, I try to treat recruiting, and, and most other coaches I assume this way, it's just like our, if my son, if Keenan were being recruited, I, I just wanted, you know, Mason or whoever, Max Sear or any kid that we recruit, I want them to be 100% sure on their decision. Now, whether that's West Virginia or Georgia Southern or Mississippi State, I, I really don't care. I just want them to make sure, like, if you choose that school, that's the school you want to go to. You weren't talked into it or, you know, you're kind of 50-50. It's like you need to be excited. And if you're not excited about coming to West Virginia, then we – honestly, we don't want you. You don't want you. Yeah. 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 And if you're not excited about going to Southern Mississippi, like, you probably shouldn't, shouldn't go, go there, there. Right? You know, so – um, that was a whole deal with, with any kid. Um, obviously we keep up with Mason. We, you know, we saw him, uh, before he committed, we'd see him every, every time we went to Pete die, you know, yeah. um, I went, watched him play multiple junior tournaments, um, across, you know, this area. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's got to pick where he wants to go. And I think he made a great, great decision. Uh, Jewish Southern's got a great history in golf. Uh, got one of the f- 
most fun uh, home events. Y'all need to do a live cast actually from uh, the Schinkel Invitational in Statesboro, Georgia. Because we're we're going we're going down there. We went last year. It was the first time we ever played in it. And after one day, I'm like, we're coming back. Like it, it's event? it's uh in in March, and it's um. I call it the member guest of, of college, college golf. golf. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's un, unlike a small town that just rallies around a fun event. So y'all need to do that. Well hey, done. Why don't you reach out to their people? Huh? Yeah. Um. Now again, I don't want to put anybody in a bad position here, but now NIL is a real thing. Now players can get paid. Are you hearing of this in the college golf? Because we know in football, we know in basketball, it's happening and. It's been happening for years. Now it's just legal. Do you see golfers getting, hey, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, we'll give you the you – know, having people jump on board to, to do this? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, every school every school is a little bit different. But, yeah, you're definitely seeing it. I mean, even our guys are, are taking advantage of the name, image, likeness deal. Um, might not be as, you know, big and prevalent as, say, you know, in Oklahoma State or – or maybe a Texas or something like that. But yeah, there's opportunities there um, for kids to kind of uh, get, get some money. Um, I think, I think it's an opportunity. You kind of figure out what your market value is a little bit. And for some kids it's humbling. And then for some kids like, wow, there's, there's an opportunity here. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it might not even have to do with how good you are, but maybe where you're from or, you know, other, you know, people in your area that just want to support you. Um, so but I think it's I think it's good because you know it's tough to for these kids and these families. Everybody thinks you know if you play golf you got a ton of money. It's not true for every single kid. Um, and so if you can scrape together a couple of thousand dollars here or there each semester or maybe even more that mm-hmm. that could go a long way. Yeah. Um, so it's I think it's good as long as we put some guardrails you know on it. Um, uh, and but so far yeah it is it is showing know, again, up in golf like you said the money's not as big as it is in, in the uh, college football and basketball world. But my whole thing with the NIL is, yeah, they deserve it. They're, that's cool and all. But at the same time, you know, like these football players are getting a million bucks. Like, they're 18 years old. But, I mean, can we give them like 100 grand to do what they want to do? Put the 900000 into an account for them to where they can't touch it till they're 25 and be responsible and let them learn how to handle this right because let's let's be honest it's not guaranteed they're going to be in the nfl they're one injury away from being out and then that nine hundred thousand dollars or that million bucks could go a long way for one of those kids um so for me that's my only kind of picking on the nil deal you are so responsible i love it well Well, well, part of this process though our guys are, are learning about taxes and paying taxes you know and so uh, I know at least at our school, they do a good job of saying, okay, you're going to get, you know, this amount of money, but you need to realize you're, you're also going to have to pay taxes on, on this, you know, right. this is different from scholarship money, yeah. you know? So um, I think a lot of kids um, are kind of learning that, that it's not just here, just free money and, you mm-hmm. know, just go spend it. Like you need to save some for taxes. You need to invest. Um, so hopefully it, they, they are learning that. L- let me ask you this. Um, and this is my opinion. This is not a fact. This is my opinion. I think it's difficult for West Virginia to compete in the Big 12. My opinion. Why do I say that? Look at the schools that they're going up against. Football, basketball. Um, I mean, a football team, hopefully this year they continue on their path. But I think it's just a tough 
conference to be in for West Virginia. I mean, travel schedule. But do you think that from a golf perspective, you're recruiting guys that get to go up and play against the Hovlands at at Oklahoma State, you know, the Speeds at Texas? In some respect, that would be a great recruiting tool, I feel. Yeah, Do you yeah. agree with that, or is it, or is it kind of similar to the other sports where it's Big 12, big conference, playing a tough schedule. You really got to recruit the hell out of these kids to try to compete. But I think golf's a little different than, say, football. Uh, do you think that's a fair statement? Oh, very fair because, you know, in football, I, well, I would say in most every other sport that, that we have at, at West Virginia – the Big 12s hand you a schedule and say, this is your schedule. You're going to go to Iowa State, and then they're coming here. You're going to Texas Tech, and they're coming here, you know, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. For us, for golf, golf, college golf is really – everything's kind of non-conference other than one or maybe two events the whole year. So the other ones I can kind of pick and choose pick and where choose. I want to go, right? But um, it That's is – it's so it, it's what conference you're in in golf is, is not um, – as important as it is for other sports. However, uh, we the Big 12 has a great tradition in golf. And you mentioned, I mean, gosh, right now, uh, Scotty Scheffler, yep. number one in the world, or most recently number one in the world. Um, you, Jordan Spieth, uh, Victor Hovland, and, you know, Matt Wolf. Like, those are yep. guys that have been in the conference since we've been here. Mm-hmm. And you go back to you go back to Ben Crenshaw, Tom Kite, and Gary Woodland, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Walker, like all those guys, right? So it's a great tradition. So that's a big advantage for us. Ricky Fowler. I mean, to share a story with you um, a couple of years ago, because we're getting ready to go to this tournament called the Big 12 Match Play Championship. And it's uh, you get five matches in three days. You get one session off, and it's uh, you play two matches a day. But uh, one day you do get uh, either morning or afternoon off. But, I mean, we've gone head-to-head against Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech and seeing some great players. The first year they ever had it, Logan Perkins uh, and Matt Sharpstein and uh, Mark Getz were kind of on that team. And we had a freshman, Curtis Grant, who's now a fifth year senior. But we were playing Oklahoma State, the defending national champions. Currently, they are at that time, they were number one in the country. They had Matt Wolf, who was the number one ranked. Uh, college golfer in the country and you had Victor Hovland who just won the USAM number one ranked amateur in the world okay and you know I had a freshman from northern Virginia Curtis Grant you know solid player but not <laughs> not not reigning USAM champ and I had Logan Perkins who was kind of an under-recruited uh, kid out of Georgia um, so anyhow we we make the pairings with Oklahoma State then I go to the driving range to tell the guys okay here is who you're playing and they're all excited, you know, who, who, who am I playing? And uh, I'll never forget, I said, uh, Logan, you've got, you know, Matt Wolf, And he's like, I'm about to wreck this guy. You know, it's just like he was pumped. He was like, let's go. I think he even threw a ball down the range, hit a driver off the deck, just, you know, out there 280. He's like, I'm about to, I'm about to murder this guy. I'm like, all right, I love, I love the attitude. I'm playing with Logan Sunday, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> and I said, uh, Curtis, uh, you've got Victor Hovland, and he, and he was a freshman. He goes, Okay. And like his voice like cracked, you know, it's like, okay, he, he was a little nervous. And then you had Logan who was like, I'm about to, I'm about to wreck this guy. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. right. And to their credit, they both played, uh, they either went to the 16th or 17th hole against oh, wow. some of the best, you know, in the country. And I think that match, even though we lost it, 
they're like, wow, we're not that far off, you know? And so that, that, and that was the year we went to the regional, uh, that year. Tell, tell the story of, uh, Hovland and, and Keenan and Matt Wolf uh, <laughs> well, down at the Greenbrier. Yeah. So we, we ended up hosting, uh, the big 12 championship in 2019 at the Greenbrier. It was supposed to be, I think at Southern Hills and they were doing a renovation. So anyhow, we kind of stole that bid and, and got it at the Greenbrier. The week before uh, was the Masters, and Victor Hovland was the low am at the Masters, and he uh, was in Butler Cabin with Jim Nance and all that stuff. Well, then we're hosting, and we all all the teams stay on site, so we had cottages down there, and um, I, I've got Kate and Keenan with me downstairs in the cottage, and upstairs the team is staying up there, and it's Keenan's bedtime, you know, so it's like nine thirty or ten, so we're like, all right, got to get him to bed. And he was like, I don't know, five at the time and wearing like a onesie, you know, whatever. And I see this, somebody coming down the stairs in our cottage that's not a WVU golfer. I'm like, can I help you? And it was like the alternate, like the sixth guy for Oklahoma State. And he said, uh, yeah, I'm looking for uh, Logan Perkins. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He said, we'll get, we'll get a poker game going tonight. So, you know, we got, got the team coming over. I'm like, oh, you do? Because the <laughs> poker room was like right next to my room downstairs. I was like, Really? And then here comes Victor Hovland and Matt Wolf coming down the steps. And I'm like, okay, he was in Butler cabin last week. Now he's in my cabin, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, uh, uh, so I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? It's like, oh, hey, coach. Couldn't, those two guys could not have been nice. So you were, you were at that point. How old were you? Oh, I was. Well, two I was, years ago, bud. But yeah, so you're 40. Inti- so you're intimidated by a twenty, like a 19 and 20-year-old. Not intimidated. I was just like, what are they doing in my <laughs> yeah, cottage? Like, hey, boys, what, what's going on here? Yeah, so uh, so <laughs> – so uh, Keenan, we take a picture with Victor and, and uh, you know, it's like, okay. I was that's like, awesome. you guys kind of just keep it down and, you know, that's fine. So they play poker that night. Um, the next day, Oklahoma State's teeing off first um, in the practice round and we're teeing off last. So as we're going to the range, they are, they're coming off the range, going to number one tee uh, at the, at Old White. And I see their coach and he's like, well, he was like, you boys kicked our ass last night. I said, what? He's like, yeah, apparently uh, Sharp and Logan and whoever just took all our money. And I was like, well, if we can't beat you on the golf course, we'll beat you at the poker table. So, <laughs> Gamblers, baby. I love it. That's a great story. Yeah, and Keenan, I mean, my man, he's like, he fits right in. Oh, yeah. He, he, he could have sat there all night and just. He's he's enjoying life, yeah. Guys. Like I say, he gets his personality from his mom, but his good mm-hmm. looks. Well, from her as well. So I'm not sure what, so what I'm bringing to the table. That? I don't know. I don't know. Quick interjection here. Jonathan's eating some biltong right now, which is South African-style jerky, player brand biltong. And uh, sponsored the show. Check them out online, player brand biltong. Birdie's 10 at the checkout aisle. That shit is dynamite. It's good, bud. It looks good on you too, man. Um, so fast forward now to West Virginia Golf 2022. And as you mentioned earlier, you had some players in this short period come out pretty hot. Marquette's Max Peer. Sharpstein played in the USAM. Yep. yep. Um, Etienne Papineau. Um, Etienne Papineau. Canadian. Yeah. Uh, he's, he finished in the top like 20 ish on the Canadian tour. So he's, he got to bypass first stage of Corn Ferry tour. So he'll be at second stage. Uh, so that's a, definitely a name to keep, keep an eye on. So, you know, you got to feel proud about that. Those are your boys. Those are your kids. Obviously you now have lifelong relationships with them. So, um, What's now looking forward? Where's the next Sharpstein? Where's the next Papineau? Where's the next Getz mm-hmm. coming through the ranks of West Virginia? Anyone on the radar right now on the squad that you feel has that game 
and the ability to take it to the next level or at least try to take it to the next level. Well, I mean, as a coach, you feel like all all nine at some point. I mean, they're all on a different uh, path. They're all yeah. on a different journey. Some kids are just freshmen figuring it out, and then you got a fifth-year senior like uh, Curtis Grant or another senior, uh, Trent Tipton, who has a lot of talent. Um, so you, you just – you literally never know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it goes – to recruiting and and you have to see something in a kid that you feel like okay he's he's got what it takes and it's it's so hard to find because it's more of a mentality um yes talent for sure but i could take you guys you know we could just go to the u.s junior or whatever and you go yeah he's good he's good he's good but they who knows if they're going to pan out Mm -hmm. you know you can start number one junior golf uh scoreboard the number one ranked player and offer him a scholarship. If he tells you no, you go to number two. You can do it that way, but uh, your culture and you know the kind of the the vibe of your team is not going to be great. I feel like you got to find the right fit, um, and that's what we've been doing the last probably four or five years because you're going to end up traveling with these guys for their whole career. So you want, you you just want good people is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and and so that's what it comes down to, but. I feel like we've got a really good uh, squad right now, and we've already got two commitments for the class of 23. We've already got two commitments for the class of 24. It Literally, the hour before I came here, I was researching 25, you know, putting stuff in the mail to them. Um, and, you know, those are kids that are, what, sophomores in high school right now? So yeah. uh, it just it never stops. I mean, as soon as you get one or two guys, you're, you're on to the next few but to answer your question i don't want to say well this kid's gonna make it and this kid's not i i honestly I, I feel like every kid that we recruit we recruit for a reason mm-hmm. and we feel like eventually they can they can make it to give you an example avery schneider who's a name you've probably never heard of right now he is in the top i think five at the first stage corn ferry q school and he only played um a couple tournaments for us but he's he's kept at it he's kept at it he's got better uh, did did all the mini tours and stuff in Florida, and now he's he's you know who knows him and he's beating Getz right now up there. So uh, you just you never know when a kid's going to figure it out. Oh, and that's that's the truth about the game. I mean, you never know what person's going to show up on any given day. Well, I mean, you look at like players like Keegan Bradley. I mean, he didn't light college up. He went like to St. John's. Yeah, like you would have thought. I mean, now he's a major champion. There's there's more of that. I would say in the PGA tour than you think as far as people that weren't the greatest college golfers and they developed their game after, after the, mm-hmm. um, their education and, and college golf. So right now in the fall, we're in the thick of things. I know you just played at, um, the gopher invitational yep. finished 14th there. 13th, 13th. Sorry. We beat, 13th. we beat one team. Uh, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. Sorry. No, <laughs> I'm I went, I'm but I'm, I was so looking ahead. I mean, <laughs> I know you got Isleworth. Is that yep. in the fall? Yeah, it's in a couple weeks. A couple yep. weeks. Yep. And um, that's put on by Florida? No, Central UCF. Florida. UCF, yep. yeah. Um, so what's kind of the prep work look like there? I mean, how can you argue playing Isleworth, right? That right. course is phenomenal. Amazing greens. Tough. Tough course. I mean, you yeah. stand on number two or three, the part two. three? Two. Number two. Yeah. Like, I would love, like, you have you played Isleworth? I can't get on. No, but number two is a par three, like 250 out of a shoot. So it's like three of pike one. <laughs> but tighter. And you got water on the right. And the wind's usually coming off the left, going to the right. Yeah. Sweet. Sounds like a good hole. <laughs> it's tough. It's it, tough. 
Yeah, number one, you hit like a wedge in there, and you're like, okay, it's not bad. And yeah. then you step on two, and it just, whoa, it's it's tough. And there's a reason Tiger was a member there in the, you know, his early professional career. I mean, you that's a practice. great place to practice. And uh, if you can play that course, definitely chipping to putt it around that place, it's it's good. So, yeah, we're, we're excited to be, you know, going to that event. Um, how do you prepare? I, that's, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked that because this year we've totally revamped the way we practice, the way we qualify, the way we work out, um, the way we keep stats. You know, last year was a disappointing uh, finish the last three events. I had two of the best that I've ever played here, Mark Getz and Logan Perkins. And we we set all kind of records, especially out in Las Vegas last year. We won that tournament. And then we just – we finished really bad. Um, and I think it came back to, to really discipline – uh, routine, how we practice, and and me as a coach, really. Um, and so I spent the whole summer like, okay, how can we structure practice, our routine, our mentality to where, look, it, hey, we finished 13th in Minnesota or we finished third. It's not going to change anything. Like, this is what we do. This is how we prepare and not let the results dictate, you know, how we feel about ourselves or how we prepare for the next tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's why I'm excited about this team because we, we did not, you know, on the scoreboard, it, it wasn't the best and, you know, we, we could have done better, but as far as the way we prepared their attitude and the things we wanted them to focus on, they, they get a pluses there. And that's what I told them, like, just keep at it. You keep doing the right thing. Good things are going to happen. Right. And, and, and that's the work ethic, you know, you, you get into a routine and, and make it fun to where they're excited to get to practice and, and compete with one another, but do it the right way. Yeah. You do it the right way, good things will happen down down the road. I mean, you talk to any professional athlete, that's what they say, right? You know, results will follow. And especially this sport, how many times do you see a guy miss a cut and then the next week he wins? Wins, yeah. You know, you got to be able to deal with uh, missing a cut or failure or just, oh, I shot 80, you know, like I don't, I don't know what happened. The highs and lows. And I feel like you, like if I was on your team now – Maybe not when I was 18, but now you and I would resonate because I feel like you're very, um, you have kind of a different outlook on things mentality wise. You're very into the mental aspect of the game. You know, for example, I remember playing Pete Dow with you, number four, and you're like, the hardest pin on this hole is a front right pin. Whereas a back left pin, even though you got to carry the water and it's longer, it's straight, right? Just carry the water. You're fine. Yeah, you and 80 yards to work with. I'll never forget right. that. Every time I step on Pete Dye, number four, part of three. I'm still hitting the water. I, I can still hit in the water, which I do. But I think about what Kovic told me. I'm like, that makes fucking sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And I feel like you as a coach have that mentality, that aspect to kind of reduce things down to a basic level of understanding for these kids and make them feel more comfortable at what they're trying to execute. And I think that's, that's you know, nod to you. I mean, that's a good way good approach for doing things well yeah we try to you know keep it in perspective um that's number one um and you know back to what we're we're talking about just prepare as good as you can and then when that ball leaves your club face you really can't do much about it and you know there's there's a quote we have in our yardage books like you get good breaks from bad shots and you get bad breaks from good shots you know you got to live with them both um and so that's you know, it's, it's tough. And then like with the stats, um, you know, they do, there's so much data now that I think it helps your expectation Mm -hmm. management, you know, so if 
you hear kids like, oh, I, I hadn't made a putt all day. It's like, well, how far have your putts been? Well, I had 20 feet, and then I had 15 feet, then I had 14 feet, and then I had 20 feet. I'm like, well, PJ Tour pros miss more than they make from those distances. Once you get inside eight feet, now you should expect to make it. Right. You know, so, mm-hmm. like, let's have some some expectation reality here. Reasonable expectations, yes. right? Because yeah. a lot of, I mean, let's be honest. Kids, college kids have egos, and uh, rightfully so. They're they're Division One golfers, but at the same time, like what you're saying, put things in perspective. I mean, you're not going to make it four twenty footers every every round. Right. You're right. just not going to. But like you said, you get a little closer, then you can start complaining if you're missing eight and nine footers on a consistent basis. I mean, like how many fairways have you hit? Things like that. Whenever I played at Marshall with Brandon Katzif, we didn't have all that. I mean, we basically had I think it was golf stat. Then right, right, they, yeah. They still around Probably there. traditional stats like fairways and rig and greens. Exactly, and rig. that's and all they we had. They don't give you uh, kind of the the shot uh, expectation, you know, from their strokes gained mm-hmm. uh, um, approach. And but one of the big things I tell our guys there's there's really not a big difference between a seventy four and a sixty eight. A lot of times, now it looks like it on the scoreboard. Like if you shoot seventy four, he shoot sixty eight. Everybody's like, "Oh, he he played awesome. You played terrible." Like, look, he hit the rock and it went up there. He he probably should have made double bogey. He makes a two. That's a four shot swing. Right. You know, you lip out once or twice, or it hits a limb, goes out of bounds. Those are the only two bad shots There's you six had. Six shots all day. right there. Yeah, and and a good example. Logan Perkins has the lowest round in school history. It's a sixty two. Uh, he shot that at the Florida Gator Invitational in two thousand. 20 and we went back and he really sh- probably should have shot at about 73 that day but like so the first hole out of bounds all the way down the right he blocks it out right and we think that that's out of bounds and we he has to hit another one so we're like one two you know hitting three well the first one actually hit a hit a lamb came back in he punched it up there chips in makes birdie like well should have made double made birdie and and that just snowballed the, the that was his whole round he was making 40 footers he was doing I'm not saying he didn't play great, but right. he'll tell you, like, I got a lot out of that round, yeah. you know? Um, and so, and then even later that year, we played the Big 12 Championship. Trent Tipton shot a 71 in the third round, and then we played four rounds there, and he shot a 71 in the final round. Looks like, oh, he played consistent. That 71 in the third round should have been a 67. I mean, he left so many putts just right on the hard, edge. Yeah. And then the last round shot 71, and he probably should – still be on the par five because he hit about eight balls off the tee, but we found the first one, you know, and we got through there, but he should probably still be out there playing that hole. So, but, but you got to tell the guys that like, you know, don't get so wrapped up in the number. Yeah. The number doesn't tell the whole story. Right. And there's not a big difference sometimes yeah. in, in a 68 and a 74. You focus on one shot at a time. You know, that's Bob Bertella to a T one shot at a time. It's not the previous shot. It's not the next hole. It's not, you focus on that shot, and that's all you can worry about. Things will work out in your favor eventually, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you do, again, back to do things the right way. Play smart on the golf course. You know, it's funny. We play with enough golfers now, Ryan and I. And in college, I, I was, again, full throttle. Just you hit three wood, who cares where it goes, and, and go find it, right? Well, now that you're kind of smarter and a little bit older, you know, that 40-yard bunker shot is probably the hardest shot in golf. And I can't tell you how many people that we play golf with still – just hit their shot and it goes in there and you watch them try to hit this 40 yard bunker shot. I'm like, dude, that's the hardest shot on the PGA tour is a 40 yard bunker shot. Right. So now you're playing a little smarter. Hey, that, that six iron can't get me to that bunker. I know that I'm good. And it's just player course management. And, and again, I think you learn that over time as well. I mean, when you're 18 years old, you think that you can fly every bunker out there and 
reach every part of five and two. And yeah, it's more about avoiding the big numbers. Exactly. You, as a good player, you should get uh, a number of birdie looks. Some days are more, some days are less. But if you can avoid, you know, the X, the the double bogey or higher, that's huge. Like yesterday, we did a game where it was a stable for scoring system, but if you made double bogey or higher, you lost all your points that you had accumulated. So we're trying to send a message like there is such a thing as a good, good bogey. Good you, know, you just just move on, make a bogey. Um, and so because when you make a double, not that it's a huge deal, but it just kills so much momentum. Mm-hmm. If you make a bogey, you just make a birdie somewhere before the day's over and you made that up. You can't do that with the double or mm-hmm. higher. If you can reduce your doubles to bogeys, that's huge right there off the bat. My mom, when I was in college, told me, and again, I, I didn't even think of anything at the time, but she's right now if you really look back on it. If you can play the par threes, all four par threes, even par, you're, you're ahead of the field. We, that's been a huge emphasis for us this year, par three greens and regulation. So every day we, we do something with greens and regulation, but when you step on a par three, the points are tripled. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to send a message like just get the ball on the green because they yeah. always play over par. And that was a huge emphasis for us at Minnesota. And we did that was one thing that we did well. We played the par threes pretty well. We didn't beat ourselves up. Now, we might have had a couple of three putts, and that's why we made a bogey. But it wasn't because we we're trying to fire at a pin with a four iron. Right. You know, like we, we, we hit the middle of the green and we took our chances making a two or three most of the time. And I thought we played the par three as well. And that's been a big emphasis is, okay, how can we – What's the low-hanging fruit is mm-hmm. what we talk about. Like, what's one thing we can do that's pretty easy um, and not try to, you know, uh, like I said, just fire it at every flag on par threes. Like, understand par threes always play over par. So, if we can play them even par, we'll pick up at go. least a shot, yeah. right? Who would have thought Debbie Peppy? Huh? Deb. God bless her soul. So, what about your golf game? And we talked to enough about your uh, – your your career. Yeah, How's your golf game been? Turn to Sean Kovich personally now. Uh, outside of the coaching realm, which by the way, kudos to you on the whole whole thing with WVU golf. But yeah, thank you. what's are you are you dieting right now? What's up? Yes, yes. So uh, <laughs> let let's start there, and then I can talk about the 2018 P Dye Club Championship a little yeah, bit yeah. if you want to bash. Um, sure. <laughs> let's oh, talk about yeah. yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> it. One, one shot, but but let's go let's go back to the. Uh, to the lost weight thing, um, it actually started last year, coaches convention out in Las Vegas, right? And I think Las Vegas is one of those places where you just go, what am I doing with my life? Like that, that seems to happen there. Uh, but for some reason I was like, you know what? Probably should lose a few pounds here because these Peter Millar pants, like they're starting to, not I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, so, I, so I just said, uh, but, but honestly, uh, and you guys probably have, read this book, talked about this book maybe before, or if not, you need to check it out. But Atomic Habits yeah. is the name of it. And it's just little, small habits, you know. And so I started reading that book, and I was like, okay. And he he mentioned intermittent fasting. I was like, I'll try it for a week, you know. And now here we are uh, almost 12 months later, and it's just a way of life, you know. So so what's your routine? I just, uh, n- no calories, uh, just water and gum and, and, and coffee, that's black coffee, um, in the morning until about either noon or one. And then I eat whatever I want, uh, until eight or nine at night and then shut it down. You know, no late night snacks, no, uh, ice cream, you know, before bed or anything like that. Um, but you basically have a window. Some people do six hours. I do eight, eight hours and 
the rest of the day. So 16 hours I don't eat, but guess what? I sleep for eight of those. Yeah. Right. So it's pretty simple. Um, so you, so you can drink as much water and have as much black coffee as yes. you want. Yep. Sugar-free gum. Yeah. That'd be something or for tea you, or you can do tea or whatever. So yeah, I might have to look into that. Eh? It's, <laughs> it's awesome. And what it's, I look forward to eating now, you know, rather than like, you're just kind of constantly snacking and you're really like not excited about it. But now, like right now I'm, I'm ready for this lunch whenever I get out of here. So. so like when you're eating, when you're actively eating now, do you care what you eat? No, that's the beauty of it. Now <laughs> I do, I do. I, what's funny is like when you put that work in the, you know, kind of that mental discipline, when you do eat, you kind of like, okay, let's kind of be smart about it, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it frees you up. And then look, I, I'm not just like 100% like hardcore about it. Like if Kate and Keenan were in like Hershey PA and they're like, Hey, let's go get some ice cream. You know what it is. Okay. Like I'll do that. Yeah. I just don't follow a bad day with another bad day. Start a good streak. Back you know? to that mental aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just smoke cigars until about one o'clock. That's perfect. And then yeah. Cigars and coffee. Yeah. It's perfect. I mean, that should be the name of the other podcast you do. Tequila, buddy. Yeah. Huh? I'm on a little now bit of tequila. He's on a tequila. I mean, the kid uh, played Troubadour last week, and now oh. all he talks about is tequila, well, which, I mean, they do serve it there pretty heavy. It is heavy there. Um, but <laughs> it's 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 a good alternative to the beers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and sometimes you like to have a beer at every now and then, maybe yeah. a Mc, McUltra. So yes. I got to yeah. find out about this this the event he was talking about with you, Pete Dye, bud. What happened? We <laughs> won a club championship 2018. Was 2018? it 2018? Yeah. Do you... Yes, I think it was twenty eight. Uh, nineteen. It was either eighteen or nineteen. He played good. I can't remember. I played um, good. Yeah, but I career. I was making everything. I, you, we talked about Logan's round. I had one of those. I chipped in. I was making forty footers. Um, but you had a shot. I don't know if you remember this on number six. So I I took the lead by like one or two. It was the final round. So six at Pete died. Yep. Yeah. You, you had like a wedge, and you kind of didn't hit it great. It hit the rock wall right in front of the green and it bounced up and it went on the car path. Yeah. And they just redid the car path with these curbs. Right. So the ball just started slowly trickling down the fairway. It, it, it came back at least 150 yards. Yeah. And because I asked uh, the pro at the time, uh, Higgs, Higgs. I was like, can I park the cart just to stop the ball? Cause like, it's going to go back. And yeah. Like, yeah. You can't interfere with your opponent's ball. I'm like, all right, and it literally just went all the way back, and I think you ended up making bogey or double, yeah, uh, on that hole, and you had a wedge in your hand, and yeah, here, that, here I am. The rest of history, I'll be club champ that year. So, well, but to your point there, I don't know if it was the same year, maybe it was, but remember what happened on fifteen at Pete Dye? Oh yes, yes, I hit the ball four times, but made a six, yeah, and made a six, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that was unbelievable. So I pulled it left over that mound. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of tall grass yeah. over there, and it was unplayable. So the way that hole was angled, if I were to take an unplayable lie, two club links didn't get me out of the stuff. And I didn't want to go back and re-hit because I could hit in the water, hit in the same spot, or I could keep that point between me and the hole and go as far back as I want. But I had to go to 14, and then that'd be longer than the tee box. Yeah. So I'm like, I've got no option here. So I thought, well, I'll take two club links, and when I drop it, hopefully it's in a better spot than it is now. And I dropped it, and it was in a worse spot. So now the ball's in play. I've already taken a penalty, and it's in a worse spot. And I'm still in the tall stuff. So I go, well, I'm st- same option. So I drop it again, and it barely gets into the rough. 
you know, but now instead of, you know, hitting my second shot, I'm hitting, you know, my fourth Fourth shot. shot. Yeah. And I can only hit like an eight iron. So I hit my fourth shot out there. And I still have like a seven iron in, hit that on the back of the green and drain it. Drain Drain it for a six. And you remember, remember, yeah. Because you were like, what'd you have there? An eight? And I'm like, that was a six. You're like, you were like doing the math. You're like, how'd you make a six? I'm like, well, one, two, three, four, five, and make a 40 footer. Yeah, yeah. The hamster was on the wheel and bashed his head there. Huh? I mean, I was I, I was lost, but I mean, I needed a Garmin. But we we had so many good times playing. That's why I said earlier, like we did not get to do that this year, which I'm a little disappointed about. But next year, the well, return of Bash and Kovic to the course, man. I hope uh, I hope so. But you know, like I told you guys at the beginning of the podcast, my my goal this year was to either recruit or to be with uh, Kate and Keenan, and and that was it. And I I was. I turned 42 uh, this year, and it was the most fun since I was probably 23. I had a good summer then. But uh, when I was 42 th- this year, I had so much fun watching Keenan. Like, I got to caddy for him. He was playing in, yeah. you know, Callaway awesome. Junior events or Hurricane Junior Golf Tour. Uh, he was doing uh, travel baseball, and now he's doing flag football. Because uh, they're only, you know, 10 for however long. And yeah. he, he still thinks I'm kind of cool and wants to hang out and that's going to go away. And who knows when, maybe tomorrow. But, um, so I got to take advantage of, of that. Well, and that's then, true. Once he gets to college and we could just, well, we can hang out up. all we want. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes too, to your point, like sometimes there's times where I, I don't, it's like, I don't, I don't want to go play golf anymore right now. Like I need a couple of days off. Yeah. You want to look forward to <laughs> a it. It's a couple of days off. I mean, really for uh, me, for me, it's a month or so, but yeah. Yeah. Well, really cool story with basically starting the whole golf program at West Virginia University. Really cool. Um, it's like it's like starting a business and um a successful one though, but yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. Yep. So yeah, really cool story, coach. Um we're gonna transition just to the last segment here of the show called the tap in segment, brought to you by Betnardy Golf. And my man's gonna ask you some questions here that demand your okay. quick way to respond. Got it. Got it. All right. Favorite music to play on the course. Um, right now I'm into like Drew Holcomb and the neighbors. Uh, that's kind of a big one or the revivalist. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, just not, not standard stuff, but just whatever. Feel good kind of music. Dream foursome. Oh, wow. Gosh. Um, I, you know, I should have known that was coming. Um, I would just go with like, uh, I'll probably regret this answer, but like John Daly would be a lot of fun. And then even though, he doesn't play golf and like can seem abrasive at times, but Eddie Vetter uh, would be fun to play with Eddie. Um, and then after that, you know, probably just go with somebody that's always in a good mood. Um, so we'll just throw Bash in there. All right, yeah, yeah. Let's Let's go, go, dream John Daly, Eddie Vetter. That's pretty good. That's and great. Me and you, yeah. Yeah. let's go. I love it. All right, favorite part of being a college golf coach? Oh man, uh, just. Uh, all of it. I mean, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's a lot of like frustration, but at the same time, when you see kids uh, achieve their goal and do stuff they never thought they could do, you know, cause you, you see the ups and downs, like, mm-hmm. you know, freshmen that feel like they'll never get in the lineup. And then a couple of years later, they're winning tournaments. Um, that's, that's the coolest part is just seeing kids go from being 17, 18 years old to, you know, 23 to 25 and winning. Um, so just kids getting better and watching that. Well, you're their second father, too, in reality. I mean, they see you more than their own father for four years. And so it's a, you play a big, important role to these, these college kids and molding them into men. So yep. kudos to you. All right, last one. What are you chasing? 
Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I knew that one was coming because I listened to the cast a lot. So I thought my answer, and this is my answer, it was like presence, like being where you are. Because I think right now, especially with the phone and email and like your schedule, it's just like tr- just being there, just being where you're, where you are rather than like, oh, I need to get here. I need to do that. Or, and especially with social media and I see with our kids all the time, like just, they're just like, what's everybody else doing? That's, that's every time you open Instagram it, is you're saying, I'm not really kind of, I'm not having fun where I am right now. So I want to see what other people are doing. Uh, and now there's a place in time. I use social media a lot. Like I, I try to use it to promote our program, right. but, but as far as personally, just trying to chase being where I'm at and, and getting the most out of this moment, like this podcast with you guys hanging yeah. out. Cause we haven't hung out in a while. You're like, Hey, this is it. And now whatever I have the rest of the afternoon, just be there. And then qualifying is going to happen this weekend. So I can worry about qualifying when it starts, you know, rather than, you know, worried about that now. So anyhow, just trying to chase being present. I think, I think that's awesome. That's the hardest thing to do. If you can be present, you, you're it is, it is very hard. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm, I'm kind of butchering it a little bit, but it's the past and the future are merely illusions for they only exist in the present, which is all there is. It's from a type of physical standpoint, but it's, it's true though. When you think about it, this is all we have right now. I know. And so be the, in it. Yeah. So just enjoy it. Cause how many times when you look back, like, man, that was a lot of fun, you know, yeah. but I was just kind of thinking about other stuff. And that's, mm. that's the hard thing for a coach. Cause my job is to plan, you know, next week, next semester, next year, recruits for 24 25 you know so i'm constantly like in the future in the future all the time planning ahead so i have to really chase uh being Being present present. you know and uh, so that's kind of what i'm after awesome well that's awesome coach thank you so much for for taking time out of your busy coaching days yeah uh, and spending some time with us here uh with ryan bashauer and Jonathan Pepe. You guys keep it up. I mean, it's been been awesome following the cast and uh, glad I was uh, able to catch up and be on it. We're stoked to have you on here. Thanks again. Our man, Coach Kovich. It, it, it's such a cool story to see. You know, you talk about Jason Birdies. Yeah, he's just doing that on the golf course, but he literally started the WVU golf program from nothing. Mm-hmm. They gave him a, an office in a, in a cubicle as the yep. head golf coach at WVU, and he has built it to a very, very strong program in the Big 12 and across the nation. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, WVU golf has been really, really good the last three or four years, and uh, it's fun to watch. So, Coach Kovich, you're the man. Thanks yep. for coming on. That's off, man. Uh, it was a blast, dude. And, and, uh, and, he- and Coach Kovich, I just saw him up at Nemecol, and it was – um, you know, they were up there playing, qualifying, so it's a great time to go to Nemecol, and thank you to them for always supporting us. Uh, right now is a great freaking time to be at Nemecol, and the leaves are turned, beautiful out, so go check them out at nemecolon.com. Yeah, and you know what, bud? It's funny you said that, because Kovic, his, uh, his dietary restrictions sort of bled over to you now. I guess you're intermittent fasting like he does, but uh, in case you keep I am fasting, right now, bud. I know, but in case you keep doing it, dude, you gotta get that player brand built on get the jerky we got several packs check them out online player brand biltong type in birdies 10 at the checkout aisle get yourself some of this great great jerky take mm-hmm. it on the course fast with it like pep and uh, you lose some weight it tastes great so yeah thank you biltong next guest man is um you know the guy damon west author 
coming out with a short film, has a success story like no other, was behind bars, turned his life around after being sentenced for over 60 years in prison. And now he's talking to the guys like Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney is one of his closest, closest allies. So um, the next episode here on Chasing Birdies is with Damon West. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be sure to do a little research on him, and it's it's a hell of an episode. It's, I cannot wait for this one to come out. Dude, it is a hell. I mean, we were both dead quiet when he was telling this story. You know, he was chasing birdies for all the wrong reasons in life, um, coming out of college, and, and it's a great story. It's inspirational. It proves that, you know, you can be dealt a bad hand, but it's what you make of it. And uh, make yep. sure you go check his book out, Be a Coffee Bean, because it is a really easy read. Yeah, no doubt about it. So anyways, guys, uh, let's get out there this weekend. Chase some birdies. Zozo Championship kicking off today. And um, I'll tell you what, my man. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's going to be another good weekend out here. And you got anything nice else you want to say, bud? I like yeah, that. Troubadour. Troubadour. Yeah, Troubadour. You hooked it up, man. Hooked Sick. It up. That's good. Good logo. Uh, good good spot. Anyways, chasingbirdies.com. Um Go over there, check it out. People have been picking up merch over the last two weeks with with the promo code. Uh, make sure you buy yourself some. We appreciate the support. Tell your friends, family uh, to like, subscribe, listen, and tell a good word. That's right, y'all. Keep checking us out here. And also, big shout out to Simpler Media Evo for your team uh, putting this thing together and our social team, Rachel London, Jacqueline DiPaterio, for all your help. Uh, You girls kick ass, and we appreciate it. Y'all have a good weekend. Keep chasing.